You're listening to She Likes to Go Slow, and we're visiting with the guest we're having on now for the second time. So happy to have in the studio Stacy Gwill and her big brain <laughs> in her studio today. Every time you come in, I learn so much stuff. Well, it's likewise for me as well. <laughs> Thank you for having me again, Rochelle. Oh, I doubt I can even compete. But here we are in the 30s again. We had a great yeah. time doing the Mary Halleck Foot information and uh, the film All We Didn't Do that thankfully got into the Albertsons Library. And I love doing research with you in that library. It was so much fun. Wasn't it fun? It was so much fun having you with me. We had a great time that day. It was. And so I was so excited when you said, hey, I've got this other project. Do you want to do, do some stuff on it? And I was like, yes, what do you got? And you said, I have something that I think we could do. It's um, such an interesting topic for me. It's, uh, it has to do with these beautiful, incredible drawings by these young children that were refugees during the Spanish Civil War, and I just feel like they needed to be shared. And I agree, and I was also like, what is all that about? Because I'm not familiar with that topic, so I'm trying to catch up just the tiniest bit on (laughs) all of your loads of research, so thanks for your patience with that. But um, what is this project for? Why are you doing this? This project is for the International Hemingway Conference. These conferences are every other year, and they usually are always in a, in a spot or a place or a country that Hemingway loved, and he was a man of the world, so mm-hmm. every country was his world. In this particular case, this one is in northern Spain, so we'll be in San Sebastian for part of the conference, and Bilbao for another part of the conference. How exciting, and you've done these before? I have. I've done them for the last 15 years. And they are wonderful, such educational moments. And you learn so much about each part of the country that he was in, each world that he had. And he absolutely loved Spain from early on, from his 20s on, all the way through till the end of his life. He, Spain was the country he loved next to his own, is what he would say. What an amazing life you have to be able to follow these passions and actually get to travel to the places they were at. What what started your love for Hemingway? My love for Hemingway started in my, I was working on my master's here at Boise State, and I was fortunate enough to have one of the most um, respected Hemingway scholars that was that was teaching there, um, Rena Sanderson. She's the one that got me interested. The first novel we read was A Farewell to Arms, and I did a paper on it, and she said, you know, I think you could enter this one and see if you could get accepted to this conference. And that time it was in um, Italy. Mm. And I did went ahead and sent the proposal in, and uh, sure enough, I was accepted. Turns out later they really accept almost every paper. <laughs> <laughs> but at the time I was feeling pretty good about oh, yeah. it that I got it. And that, that got me on my, on, on my uh, way. And Hemingway has now been such a big part of my career of just studying Hemingway in every way. And my um, dissertation for my doctorate degree was also on Hemingway, for whom the bell tolls. Right. And so you're doing this Spanish part of Hemingway, and that involves learning, for me, a lot about the Spanish Civil War. If you were to just do a Cliff Notes uh, few seconds of that, (laughs) do you want to sum that up for people? (laughs) Interesting. There's hundreds and hundreds of books. It's one of the most complicated wars that's um, to describe. There are so many books about it every year, but in in just a few lines, it was between 1936 and 1939, and it pitted the nationalist forces led by the General Francisco Franco, and he was backed by the fascist Italy and Nazi Germany, and he was trying to topple a newly elected democratic government in Spain. 
and um, it lasted for three years, 1936 to 1939, and over half a million casualties. And Franco came out the winner. And this, Sadly. this might be a dumb question, but I've kind of heard that sometimes Democrat and Republicans were different back then than they are now. Is that the case? In a way, yes. The, the Republicans in that sense were the were the left, mm-hmm. considered the left. Okay. And, and Franco's Nationalist Army, what would, we, what would you consider the right? Okay. And so, yes, it was kind of a little a little difficult that way okay, to figure that right. out, but yes. And so from this war came these drawings, right. and I am surprised to learn, as I'm just learning everything this week with you, about the thousands of drawings. I had no idea, mm-hmm. and where and thank goodness these have been kept safe all this time. And some of these drawings, where are you finding your sources, and what's really touching you about what you've seen? The first, I, I came again, I came across these drawings as I was working on an article for For Whom the Bell Tolls, and just saw one or two of them, and just then I had to do, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. these are just incredible. There's You can find them online, um, with the Abraham Lincoln Brigade has an archives that you can find online, but a majority of them are actually at the Mandeville Special Collections Library at U.S. Uh, University of California, San Diego. And I actually went down there and did a research trip there years ago and saw some of these drawings in person. Um, And for for folks who haven't seen them, I've just seen, you know, a few dozen here the last couple days. But tell me what what kind of what specific photos and drawings stand out to you and the emotions that they make you feel? They are interesting that the children were actually seeing – the effects of war through the eyes of children. We see many pictures of refugee children and, and their situations, but these drawings are through of seeing war through their eyes, and they're so emotional for that reason. And again, the, their use of color and perspective are unbelievable. The emotions that they are able to convey through these drawings, as simple as you might think they might be, are unbelievably and so touching um probably the ones that maybe affected me the most is the uh, probably 90 percent 80 at least percentage of these drawings have enemy airplanes or airplanes in the sky because this was the first time during this war between 1936 and 39 that the use of aerial bombing on civilians was first utilized and so you have all these drawings with these, you know, either the you can see battles in the sky or you see the rubble of buildings and some of the children, you know, hiding or some of their friends lying dead on the street. All of these are in these drawings. It's just amazing. But this whole idea of terror from the sky was such a new, a new terror, a new part of war, total war, that uh, that probably is the thing that, that affects me the most when I look at these drawings. Mm-hmm. And I hope people listening can get some education and empathy for this because many Americans haven't had to ever deal with that in their lives as children. Though people around the world, kids are at this moment doing that very thing. Exactly. Exactly. And so one of the drawings that I remember uh, seeing here just a few minutes ago from you was really great perspective. And then it showed the kids as like little ant people, like their perspective of themselves in this huge world over them really stood out to me. 
Yes, this uh, they there's we have kind of have them in categories of different moments in the children's experience, and some of the first ones are evacuation, their experience of being evacuated. As I said, from Madrid, there were over two hundred thousand, and they were evacuating to these children's colonies in transport trucks or trains. And uh, this one drawing that you mentioned is obviously a train station, but the perspective is amazing because you have this gigantic big columns and then this perspective where you go straight to the very point of the perspective and then little tiny ants or the children being processed. Uh, and you can, there's so much emotion in that, right, to see mm-hmm. this huge building and how little and insignificant and tiny they felt. And powerless. So these kids lose their parents and their families are separated, what's left of them, and then they're moved to these other places. Where were they moved to? These colonies, most of them were on the uh, east coast of, of Spain, where that was still Republican territory. And they were in um, homes of fascist supporters who had vacated, had, you know, left the country or left that part of the of the Spain. And also there were some colonies in Southern France as well. Wow. So you'll see some of the, some of the drawings are actually the children in ships being um, transported into France on some of the ships. So even though kids did thousands of these drawings, um, let's talk a little bit about Picasso and his influence with this. Oh yes. Of course uh, the most um important artwork that came out of the Spanish Civil War is Picasso's Guernica. He was commissioned to do something for the 1937 Spanish Pavilion of the 1937 World's Fair that was in France, in Paris, that year. And he was working on something else, and then the paper came out, and he saw this description of what happened at Guernica. So on April 27, 1937, the Condor Legion bombed this tiny town, and it was during market day for for hours and hours, morning and afternoon, and there were only like three buildings even left standing, and hundreds of people were were killed. He saw those and was so affected by it that that's how he started Guernica, for the and that ended up, of course, in the in the first floor of the Spanish Pavilion was where it was first shown. But for me, when you see the the drawing and you really unpack it, it shows every every possible emotion that you think that these citizens of Spain and these children were experiencing. You know, the, the, you have all these, you have children, you have soldiers, men, women, you have people reaching out trying to find relatives, you have a mother holding a dying child, you have buildings crumbling, it's nighttime and there's a light bulb hanging out, hanging just by a raft, by a string. It's all these different emotions and things that these children have experienced all in in this painting. And um, it, it brought me to this quote by by um, Picasso where he said, you know, it, it took me four years to paint like Raphael, but a lifetime to paint like a child. And didn't he get in trouble kind of for doing that painting and people broke in on him and questioned him about it? Oh, yes. Well, that was afterwards. It was This was during World, uh, World War II because, you know, they say that the Spanish Civil War was the first battle of World War II. Mm. And if and uh, that's why Hemingway was so involved in it, and so many there was the Abraham Lincoln Brigade, all these volunteers mm-hmm. trying to stop Hitler and the fascism before, you know, trying to stop them in Spain, and then they mm-hmm. they didn't. 
But um, Picasso was in his studio, and this was at, in occupied Paris, and the Gestapo would come and bug him every once in a while and give him a hard time. And he had a, um, a postcard of his painting on, on a on the table, and the Gestapo said, oh, did you do this? And um, Picasso said, no, you did. And we can see a portion of this painting right here in Boise, right? Yes. In fact, that is one of the reasons that I ended up choosing For Whom the Bell Tolls. I was looking for a topic for my dissertation, and my husband and I were sitting at Bar Guernica and um, took a little little walk, and, and I saw that mural. I'd seen it before, but I started seeing it a little in more detail, and I realized that there was, of course, the one image that is directly from Picasso's Guernica. And now it's obvious why that was in there, on the Basque block, because this was the Basque town, of course. But um, that shrieking mother face is just um, really emotional. And that that's what made me start thinking, hmm, I think I need to work on that novel. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So next time you're in the Basque block, make sure you pay extra special attention to the history behind that mm-hmm. painting. So here's Hemingway hanging out with famous painters like uh, Picasso. And I, I heard he hung out with uh, uh, Frida and Diego and, and all this. And then he's uh, doing this uh, this help before the war starts to try to get things lined up before the Spanish Civil War and during. And then he meets up, I guess, with this photographer in the war and later marries her. Oh, Martha Gellhorn. Yeah. No, she was actually not a photographer. She was a journalist. Okay. And this was, um, the, the war had actually started, the Spanish Civil War had started, and Hemingway wanted to go to Spain because he loved Spain and mm-hmm. wanted to be there. But he was trying to finish another one of his novels up, and he was under the gun for that. And he was in Key West, where he was living, and in Sloppy Joe's. And Martha Gellhorn, who was had already written several novels herself, very much socially minded, social consciousness type um, novels. And she walked in the bar with her mother and brother, and that's how she met Hemingway. And originally, just they were just friends hanging out with Hemingway and his wife, Pauline, his second wife. And then that started, they started talking about the Spanish Civil War. And um, she got so enthused that she decided she wanted to go, and then he went. And so they both went over there. And then their love affair then started when they were there in Spain working, working uh, as journalists um, on the war. And so then as Martha learns about these children's drawings, what is the quote that she gave? Yes, she was very good friends with Eleanor Roosevelt from a very young age. Her mother was friends with Eleanor, and then um, Eleanor Roosevelt was sort of her second mother and mentor. And she went, oh, she had visited Spain on, during the war four or five times, and she would come back, and she did a tour of, of the U.S. to try to drum up support because the United States at that point was following a non-intervention policy and we were not helping Spain or the Republican side or any of it. We didn't want to be in the war, so we weren't helping the Republican side. And so she was kind of trying to do a little undercover work, I think, anyway, and she was visiting the White House and explaining a lot of the things that were going on in the war. And then she started talking about, you know, I did visit one of these children's colonies. And she said, you know, of, of all the pain and suffering and death that they've seen, she said they still draw pictures. 
And that is the name of uh, another book or two also that includes some of these pictures from Aldous Huxley and a couple other authors you were showing me. Yes. Yes, these colonies all began gathering them, sometimes just in little piles tied with paper, I mean with string and some with main little books of them. And then they were gathered all together and had there were a few um, times where they were shown different exhibitions where these, these were shown during the war, even in Valencia. And then um, they were gathered again by another group and made into a book. And they asked Aldous Huxley to write the prologue. Mm-hmm. And so he wrote the prologue for that book. And the name of the book title is They Still Draw Pictures. And likely that will be the title of our film we're hopefully going to do about this because I really, yes. really love this topic and I want to share more. And I could talk to you for hours here on the podcast. <laughs> we but could. Let's wind it up with uh, the poem that you found. It's a really great way to portray um, what's going on with this. Yes. Again, as I said, the I believe that you know when we, if you ever get to see these children's drawings, it's it's these it's these it's fear of these bombers overhead and the, and the destruction they cause, and of course all the civilians, the Spanish civilians, were all you know engulfed in this fear of what's above them, the sky, and how ominous those. It must have already seen from nowhere all of a sudden now there's something in the sky that can do all this horrible death and destruction. So this is called Air Raid Barcelona, and it's by the African-American poet Langston Hughes, who did go visit Spain in 1937. And this is part of the poem. The death birds wheel east to their lairs again, leaving iron eggs in the streets of Spain. With wings like black cubes against the far dawn, the stench of their passage remains when they're gone. In what was a courtyard, a child weeps alone. Men uncover bodies from ruins of stone. Beautiful. Stacy Gwill, thank you for joining us oh, again. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for She Likes to Go Slow. For more info and upcoming podcasts, visit shelikestogoslow.com.